welcome to the Scottish Paranormal Podcast. I'm your host Chris, and here we delve into a multitude of strange occurrences that happen with us on and beyond. You can contact us with your accounts at the Scottish Paranormal Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on all social media channels and you can contact us by either means. Tonight's episode, we're discussing the Black Lady of Broomhill with Helen Moyer and John Milligan. This story, like others like it, so just a, a bit of backstory to some stories like this, but you'll see the difference in this one, where some towns and cities throughout Scotland or places, and even the world as it be, have got stories or folklore tales of a ghost story of a grey lady, a green lady, a black lady, a red lady, and there's always some type of kind of story connected with that, a folklore tale passed in through generational, and it's always kind of hard to find the source. This story is slightly different. Um, it's called the Black Lady of Broomhill, as people call the the spirit or the the visions that they see, the Black Lady of Broomhill. Um, but it's other known as as Sita's story, as as Helen's researched and she's done a story with it. So. This is a kind of a wide aspect story which covers a potential murder, ghost story, there's visions. Helen's got a personal connection to the story which you'll find out through the story she'll give. And there's a lot in it. And to be totally fair to, to John and Helen, they researched this story um, really, really well. And there's, there's so much historical data that they found in it as well. And it's been also recounted and, and investigated by investigators of the day as well, like Ron Halliday. So, very, very interesting story, and I'd just like to thank Helen and John for their time on the day, because we did, we did spend about um, four hours um, discussing all aspects of it and all the historical values of it as well, and I did have to cut it down a bit editing-wise for the paranormal aspect of it, but I'd just like to thank them um, for their time and, and Helen for the lunch. <laughs> so, so, find yourself a quiet space, plug in your earphones, and listen in. Right, well, uh, my name is Helen Moyer. I was born in Lock Hall in 1950 and my maiden name was Perry. Helen Eleanor Henderson Perry is my full name and I'm called after the grandmother who eventually became housekeeper at Broomhill House. And she was born in 1857. She went to work in Broomhill in 1869 at the age of 12. Obviously we'd probably as a scullery maid and eventually uh, she, she actually worked right through to 1939 through marriage and family and was was actually on her way back from her work uh, in, her, in her 80s and took a turn and miners that were passing found her and she died three later, three days later in her own house. So 70 odd years of my grandmother's life revolved around this estate. Mm. Uh, I, uh, she was gone before I was born. I wasn't born in 1950. But my dad related my grandmother's story. And this was a story she'd no reason to fabricate. Mm. Uh, and her story was that the black lady, and now we know what her name is, she, she was there for maybe just over two years or slightly under two years at the turn of the 20th century. Mm. And my grandmother said she stayed mostly in the house and in the grounds. And she was a servant with fringe benefits, that was her words. Mm. Uh, 
but my grandmother and she she was there for I say slightly under or over two years, and my grandmother was there that night, and it was about eight o'clock, which would be the time for the gentry to dine. What, what time of year was this? The, when she came, did you know that? I don't know exact. I'm not the exact dates, but. but November, the month of November seems to be the time she disappeared mm. and funny enough that was became a month that was never ever very good for the Perry family but my grandmother said she'd seen her and she had left to come home and she'd come back, she was staying with her son, a daughter and son-in-law at that time, she wasn't staying in the house and when she returned to her work the next morning, so we're talking about the back of five mm. in the morning and Captain Henry Montgomery McNeil Hamilton of Ratlock and Drumhill said that she had left the previous evening because she was homesick. This was the story I grew up with. Now, she would have needed to walk, Broomhill House is away that other side of the town, and she would have needed to walk carrying bag and baggage and whatever funding she had past my window actually down to the east station which is way down behind the cemetery because the Larkhall Central Station wasn't opened at that time. Mm-hmm. Now Chris, a woman of colour at the turn of the 20th century in a place as small as Larkhall would have been noticed. Mm-hmm. I checked the train times and the last train for Glasgow would be about 9 o'clock. But when he brought her... This she was the, the reception done looking past it? Looking past it. Oh, okay. uh, so, when he when he brought her to the house, he would just bring her direct. So she really wouldn't get much here, her bearings. But what really started me on, I, I grew up with this story, but at 14, 15, I was too busy looking for, you know, work, going to dance and thinking about the next perfume you were going to wear or makeup <laughs> or anything like that. And I never really put any attention to it, Chris, because it didn't seem that. I, I never thought much about it. And then when I turned 40, and this is quite significant, I started having these weird dreams. And I could see me in a, a room, and but it wasn't me, it looked like me, but it wasn't me, and I got this long black skirt, and I'm supposed to be my grandmother's double, and a white blouse and their keys hanging from my waist. And I'm standing in this room as if the, the man and woman are in the room are no aware of me being there mm. and I can describe the room behind me there's a bay window with green curtains with gold chintz on it mm. there's a piano there's a double door and there's a double door beautiful ornate fireplace and in the fireplace there's a fire screen with a red rose on it mm. there's a man who had never seen in my life before and a coloured woman on that side and it looks as if there's something heated going on. Our next thing I see is a gold object lying in the male hand and on his finger he's got a gold ring with a black stone on it. Now I don't see her being hit or anything and the next thing I see is a white sheet and it's starting to stain with blood and I'm following this hand, pulling this white sheet across a black and white marble floor past a beautiful staircase with two polished curling stones, one each side of it. I go down this passageway 
in here, but I think it must be a kitchen area. So are you just standing in, within the, the, the dream or the vision you're seeing, are you just standing watching this or are you involved? I, I, I'm standing at the beginning of the dream, mm-hmm. in the room, listening and watching what's going on. I can hear what's yeah. getting said, but then I've fallen it through as if I'm falling behind right. this, uh, you know, this, this sheet get pulled, obviously. She must be in it. As I say, I don't see her getting struck, it's just a gold object mm. in the hand. And then I go through into this, which I think must have been a kitchen area, and all I see is a square being lifted, and there's a gold ring on it, the square's lifted, the three stones going down, and that's that was the end, it stops. And then I followed on, I could see myself walking into this nursery, and there was a rocking horse with one ear on it, which was strange, and a rocking chair, and just this one foot, rocking, rocking a, no a rocking chair, uh, rocking a crib, and this chair sitting beside it, and the foot's rocking the crib, which it was a coloured leg, Chris. And I'm walking towards this crib, but I'm not wanting to look in it, I don't want to see what's in this crib. And when I do eventually look in, all I can see is this kind of, I would say is a deformed child. So that, that's what started me off my research, because I thought, I'm either going nuts, or it's somebody in the wee men in the white coats come and take me away, or is there something that somebody is trying to tell me. So that's what kicked me off in this thing. And then later on, when I found her, she was 40 when he brought her to this country. Exactly the same age I was when I started to have this experience. When you went back, when you had your vision of that, or dreamer, what would you like to call it, a vision or a dreamer, would you say it's more a vision? Or? I would say it's more a vision because, I, I, I mean, it, it, it looked, how can I describe it? See, every time I had it, mm-hmm. uh, Chris, it's just, you know how you used to turn the contrast up in the telly and the, the, the colours? Did, did you have this more than once? Aye, it was, it started repeating. Oh, did it? Okay. It started repeating okay. and then I thought, that's what, we, at first, I mean, the first time I thought, you know, rubbish. So, so go back to the, the, the vision when you, after we went through and the objects, the square thing in the floor, what was that? Was that a panel on the floor that was taken away? It looked like a, a slab or a, 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 a ring or something that would open, open up to go into the cellarage underneath. Right, okay. It's just a square. Mm-hmm. And ironically, Chris, when I was 14, my friend Elizabeth, who's passed away in November, John knew very well, she lost her fight with Covid. We, that was a kind of hangout for all the youngsters down there at one point, John, that we rumbled about down there. And Elizabeth and I were fooling about, and we found it. We found, I can't find I've never been able to find it again, because it's so bad overgrown down there. Mm-hmm. But we actually found this thing and lifted it up. It was exactly as I had. But I hadn't been having my dreams then. I was only 14. Their dreams didn't start to. No, you then you to think that. But when we lifted it, there was this black cat come out of it. And my, my Elizabeth took off, and she just took off. But... Oh, it didn't frighten me, I didn't feel... F- I, mm. The black lady doesn't make me... F- I don't believe for a minute she's evil, malevolent or anything. I think she's just been a, a woman in unfortunate circumstances. And when we lifted that, that meant that if that cat had come out that way, that meant that cat had, had to get in another way. Mm. That's what I took. Mm. Took out of. So, the... To just for the listeners, I mean, it's a... Going back, the original kind of story and 
Um, what was the woman's name? I don't know if you, you found a name for it, we'll get to that when you do uh-huh. the research uh-huh. and stuff, right? But um, so when she had left, or when she had allegedly left mm-hmm. um, the place, what did what was the th- did you did your um, grandmother any feeling at the time? Was all, all, my, all my grandmother ever said was that the, the explanation was she'd left to go home because she was homesick. And all my grandmother, my grandmother never accused anyone of anything, and neither have I, because at the end of the day, nobody knows what nobody knows it, because an MD does know of the long gone mm. by this time, and my granny wouldn't be a party to anything that's sinister, uh, uh, Chris. So, uh, leave me back on that, lost it. Actually, mainly the, um, my grandmother said that there was the only thing she said was there was no horses out that night and there were no carriage out that night so she would have needed to walk Mm -hmm. to take herself home or she could have was she taken to another estate they could have done that but there were no carriage out that night so she wasn't so she wasn't um implicating anybody or say or accusing anybody but she could paint a story paint a picture saying well there's she would have to do X, Y, and Z to go that people would have seen her. She's got a carriage and, and all these kind of things. So she'd just leave that out there as factual, but aye, aye. no seen it. And, and you remember, Chris, this was a time when you just need to watch downtown Abbey or upstairs and downstairs. What happened upstairs? Stayed upstairs. Servants would talk in the servants' quarters, but they wouldn't go and talk because this was a very wealthy family that owned a lot. John can verify this a lot of the pits, a lot of the land. If you didn't eat in those days, you didn't work. Mm-hmm. It was a, there was there was a certain amount of loyalty to family, imitatedly how the, the servants were, were treated. But I've come up with five theories. Did she disappear that night? But my granny says there was no carriage, no, no horses out. Did she get taken to another estate? But then would need her taking her by horse or carriage to another estate. Did she die in childbirth? But then there's no record of a death, there's no, there would have been a record of a death of she died in childbirth. She died in natural causes, it would have been the same, you know, or, or, and this is where it is maybe, and if, and don't know for sure, did she die in, in other circumstances, more sinister, at the hands of a person or persons unknown. That can never be proved. And I don't know why these things happened to me. Uh, was it my grandmother that had come back to try and tell me something? Was it just something in my genes? Or I don't know why, mm. why it happened. There's no explanation for it, Chris. Mm. Well, you've got the connection there. You've got the connection to the area. You've got the connection to your grandmother working there. Mm-hmm. You're still staying here. How far is it down? How far is it down the road? She was there for about 1902, maybe to just before. No, how far is the location for here? It's um, what about mile and a half. Mile and a half. Mile and a half. Mm. Right, you're still here. I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, you can see the connection there and stuff. So, so going through that. So that was the the main start of the kind of historical mm-hmm. story of what happened. So she's either left, but she left or could have left, or she unlikely she probably did leave because needed. But I've seen her. She mm-hmm. a train at time of night in a carriage or whatever else. So, and then um, obviously we're having these visions. It's like something trying to tell you something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. What's the, um, I know there's obviously maybe, um, we didn't make him up as well, the, the stories, the um, sightings offer it as well. Well, there's been, there's been numerous, numerous folk have seen her. 
or had said I've seen it. Uh, one chap that was there that was dodging school, he said he was he said he was sitting said he was sitting in the, the in the ruins of our book. So now it's, it's, it's the actual the actual um, stately home. The, all all that's left there. now, Chris, is just bits and bobs of stone. Mm-hmm. It's just, just foundations and stuff. Just, well, aye, but it's badly overgrown, so they're just bits and pieces of stone. Mm-hmm. But uh, when I was knocking about down there, and John would be the same, a lot of the house was, the outer walls and some of the inner walls were still standing. Mm-hmm. Some of the windows, but no glass in them, because only they're so... There's a, a reason for why the house went mm. went that way, uh, but there's that chap said he was sitting, reading, and he felt this presence behind him, and the pages started turning himself. Another woman that I did, did he see anything? This no, just noise. Just just a feeling. Just a feeling. I'm trying to go through all the ones and ones I was involved with, and the ones I wasn't involved with. Mm. Uh, the one I was involved with was uh, a girl who was wanting to raise money for the sick children's hospital in Glasgow. And her mother worked for me in the cooperative. And her mother knew my gran, and my gran had showed her a vase that she'd been given at Broomhill House. Mm. Uh, and this girl said, we could do a ghost night. And I says, well, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm no one publicity in this, because folk think you're were crazy but I says if it's to raise money for a cause like that that's a whole different ball game mm-hmm. so there was about I think there were about eight years and it was a September night and we went down there at 11 o'clock uh, and we took tea and coffee just to keep herself you know something to drink during mm-hmm. life it was cold and the, there were two of the boys there and they made a wee fire and we were sitting around the fire and just generally chit-chatting and the flames just went whoosh for no apparent reason. And then Sheena, this is now about three o'clock in the morning, and Sheena, who was trying to raise the money, had organised it, she said, I need to go somewhere. And I says, well, it's a long walk home, dear. We'll need to go behind the bush. Uh, and at the back down, this is why John's saying about location is so important. At the back of Broomhill House, there's a long path which was always called the Black Lady's Walk. It's still called the Black Lady's Walk. So I said, I'm going to go around here. Because when I'm down there, Chris, I feel as if I can visualise it, what it was like when it was there. Mm-hmm. So I took her down this path, and at that point, the stable block was still standing, and I had a torch. I said, going behind there, I said, now just keep a light. I'm not shining on you, but just to give you enough light to see what you're doing. And I felt this presence behind me, and uh, there was this smell like a musky. Remember that rotten haikarai aftershave? Some guy, right spicy mm. musky smell. And it was just a shadow that passed that side of me. And I didn't feel threatened, but I just was definitely yeah, something, something there. there. Mm. And Sheena, I said, no tell her, but Sheena said, there's some here, there's somebody standing behind me. I said, no, I'll come out. It's your imagination, come out. And but I shone the light on the, the stable wall, a shadow just went right across it and disappeared under thin air. Mm. Another woman who I interviewed, and this was a woman that was church goer, very uh, staid, spinster, very polite, wouldn't, wouldn't you, the last person on earth you would think it would come out with something like this. And would she, I was interviewing her and she said that her father 
had had a disagreement with the McNeil Hamels over a mirror that she brought back with her and they demanded it back. And I said, what, what do you think happened to it? And this woman... And the Hamels were the, the family had to do with the family? The, the male Hamels are the ones that brought her back. Right, okay. But this, this lady I was interviewing, her father had worked to them at one point and he'd seemingly acquired this mirror mm -hmm. that the black lady had brought back. And I says, have you ever thought, wonder what happened to her? She says, she's behind stone and her baby's with her. As simple as that. A woman that you would never in a million years expect to come out with... I actually took a, a step back. I said, hey, she says, that is the story that I was given. So folk don't just make up no, no. The, these stories. The other one was um, a Jean McCray and I had, at this point, John will tell you, I was having wee bits and bobs out in the paper. So these could have been potentially stories that were kept quiet at the time, time. and then been passed in through the generations? Well, this woman was obviously her father and she'd never been married and uh, her and her father were very close, so this would obviously some her father's passed on. Or maybe she was around. Mm -hmm. she, would, she could have been old enough to be around, because I'm talking about a lot of years ago. Yeah. And Jean McCray came to me and she said, I have never told anybody this. She says, I told my husband, but I've never told them to this. She says, they were about 14, and she says, we were all playing hooky, and we decided to go down and thing went to the ruins. And she says, we went in. I know exactly what she was talking about. She says, we went into this, through this door, and into this room with the bay window, but she says, we've got through the doors, no glass in the windows, and we're sitting talking. And she says, one of the boys thought, oh, oh to frighten us. And he went out and thrown a firecracker or a squib or something mm. in the door. Now she says, when we went into the house, it was just still ruins, but a lot of the the, the perimeter walls and inside walls were still standing. No furniture or nothing like that mm. there. Now the roof would be off it by that time as well, John, I reckon. Uh, so she says, we'd get in, they bother. These doors were opened and shut for us, no bother. But she says, when they all took off, and she says, when I was trying to follow them, the door that I had, two doors that I had come through, wouldn't open. Mm -hmm. And she says, what I did, I just jumped out the, the window with no glass. She says, I ran round, she lost my bearings, and she's run round the front, round the back, back to the black, what they call the black ladies' walk. Mm -hmm. And she said, she was standing, and then she felt this presence behind her, and this strong smell. And she said, I turned around and she said, I saw it as plain as anything. And she said, she was standing like that. But her feet were slightly hovering a bit above the ground. Mm. So just for the way, just for the, the listeners, her arms are kind of crossed over crossed her chest. As, as, as if she would be in death, probably. Yeah. Um, and she says, one hand came away and she pointed to the ground. I says, what did you do? She says, well, first I wet myself, then I took off, and then I thought, can I go home? My mum, my mum I'll get it around for being down there for no doing for no being in the right place um, mm. to start with. So she says, I went to my granny, and my granny said, if she looks if you know, she's my granny knew there was something straight away, and she told her what had happened. She says, we need to go back and see if it happens again. And she says, a year later, she says, I forced myself to go back down, and the exact same thing happened. Mm. Now this was a woman that. She's I've never told them to this, mm. and she came. I didn't go out and ask, go out and ask these folk to mm. tell me their stories, uh, Chris. And then the what was the other one? That was Jane McRae. And then oh, I Jean Gibb, her mother. See, after he died in nineteen twenty four, 
in, in Lloyd of Sun and Three Daughters. They never took over the estate. They just came an odd night or an odd... Uh, they never actually took over the estate. And uh, they kept caretakers. And Jean Gibbs' mother and father were caretakers. And she says, we were staying in the servants' bit and at the kitchen area. And she says, I said, well, is there any part of the house you like to go through, Jean? And she says, oh, I used to love to sneak through into the dining room. I says, how did you get there? So I used to go down the wee passage at the side, across the black and white marble floor stair uh, uh, hallway, past the grand staircase and into the drawing room. And she described the drawing room exactly as I had seen it. Mm. And I'd never met this woman in my life before. So it's, I mean, there's, this is only a tip of the iceberg, John, isn't it? Mm. It certainly is. It's only a tip of the iceberg. Do you want to do some of the, did, the did mind? You get, did you, just to get, I'll a few questions first before we go on. Did you, the name of the, the kind of path, mm-hmm. um, did you, you find out why it was called, I know obviously people have had sightings, eh, like some like go sighting in there, but did you get, they going to, why it was called that. It was just yeah. always caused, called that and it's obviously been handed down from servants that worked there at the time. Probably that's maybe just where she walked exercise. There's probably know. a lot of accounts out there as well. And that's the thing as well, once you get it out there and more people, you know yourself, people don't want to come forward with accounts because people, they'll think people think they're crazy and I, stuff I and, and that. But like the more people who talk about stuff, it makes it more normalised uh-huh, and uh-huh. knows... Um, I mean, I don't, I, I don't feel the least bit threatened with her. I think she's just been a woman of circumstances in a man's world that's just been shifted for pillar to post, post and didn't really have any real control of their own life. I mean, you're taught... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and McNeil Hamilton's were a very wealthy family. They're landed, landed gentry. And, I mean, it was what he was doing, Chris, wasn't it? uncommon for uh, most of his contempor- contemporaries were doing the same thing I mean for the thrown down mm. their mistresses have been accepted in fact some of the Victorian women went out and picked their husband's mistresses because it meant if they had a mistress they would have less chance of having more kids mm. I mean it was it was accept it was acceptable for in that time for which what is the the most latest sighting that you found today about was it there was a few years back there was a girl now Lynn Hamilton would be able to fill some of this stuff in there was a girl who fell and hurt herself and she felt there was a, this woman had sat beside her and tried to comfort her I think that was just a few that's in the same area the same right. area yeah. there's been there's been quite recent ones John hasn't there mm-hmm. uh, as I say I've not really touched a lot of this for a, a, a few years uh, Chris but it's uh, it, there's it's there's so, there's so much material, it would take you hours and mm. hours and hours to get through it. But that is what really started me off, man. Mm. No, I can understand, it's, it's totally really interesting. Um, obviously, with the historical bit, and obviously, there are people seeing the signs, and mm-hmm. then you get to find the picture that she'd probably go away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway. I don't think, well, yeah, as I say, I. I you, you can't accuse them because you don't know. No, you, you don't. just you just don't know. She's always been. It's been. She's been an an urban, uh, urban myth, myth for for a long, long time. But now I feel she's no she's no an urban myth anymore. The woman had a life. She had a name. She had. So she's she's still a she's now no a, a, an urban myth. She's a an urban legend, mm. literally, because she did she did. Love. As we were talking about earlier on, you were, you were talking about um, 
there's quite a lot of places, every place has got like, a green lady, a grey lady, uh, and all these type of things, and, and they're, they're looking at that now, with all the research you've done, and looking at it, and um, finding out about it, um, you can understand where this is originated from, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at least anyway. Mm-hmm. What I can do, Chris, is, um, well John, do you want to tell Chris about the mine, which is important, their cellarage underneath Broomhill House, mm-hmm. because this is where John can fill in a lot of the... Broomhill House was built on the site of the castle of Old Machina, right John? Mm-hmm. In 1440, right? 1440, three to be absolutely pedantic. Uh, <laughs> and it was a house to start with, wasn't it? Yes, I've got the details. You right want there. to do this bit then John, because you know... Right, well, well first of all, let's look at the background to this. I've worked with Ordnance Survey Maps for most of my adult life mm-hmm. in the town planning department and elsewhere. Mm-hmm. I used to be put in charge of the geology maps of the area, which is very important to what's happened so far. Mm-hmm. Dechman Hill, sometimes known as Cathkin Brays, mm-hmm. um, near Glasgow, was many years ago a volcano. Fault lines, geological fault lines, come out from Cathkin Prays towards Black Hole and split into various channels, if you like. It's mm-hmm. almost like a herringbone fashion. And what it has done, it has created, say, a mine working soft coal 30 feet to the, to the side, they're working on hard coal. Because once upon a time they were level, sometimes we ended up with a difference of 600 feet, mm. thanks to geological movement. In the Avon Gorge itself, near to the, the house of Broomhill, we have the Big Lynn, which is a fault line. We have the Wee Lynn, which is a fault line. Mm. They have a sulfuric a well called Kittenure Well, which is a fault line at Ringsdale Castle. There's a fault line at Millhue Bridge as well. So a lot of fault lines, mm. and a lot of these fault lines have coal, iron, sandstone, ganister, which is a very, very hard sandstone used to make fireplaces in the old days and the softer uh, sandstone that they used for chimney heads. So there's a lot of activity here and limestone working as well. Yeah, that containing the quartz as well and stuff. There wouldn't be any quartz here. Your nearest quartz would basically be found up at Lead Hills and Warnock Head. We have the soft sedimentary rocks here, Mm. but what you would most definitely have is an awful lot of iron. Iron would produce the sulphur. When you go down the even gorge, not far from here, you find little trickles of water coming out of the ground and it's bright, bright orange mm-hmm. in colour. And it's basically iron and this this stink of rotten eggs is very very real 
behind Broomhill House itself there's a kitchen burn. It's a tiny wee trickle of a burn but a very deep valley. At the last ice age there would have been a tremendous amount of water to cut these gills as we call them as an ash gill, ash gill head, guardian gill. You would end up with a very deep ravine and a tiny wee trickle. But immediately behind Broomhill House is an old iron mine worked from 1851 to 1858 by a Mr. Craig Fuller, the for Mr. Dunlop who ran the ironworks at Quarter. There were five major um, retorts, if you like. Uh, producing iron on behalf of Dixon's Blazes in Glasgow and they tried the iron behind Broomhill House. Sorry Mr Craig, it's not up to the quality that we are used to. We have been getting stuff from Coatbridge and we've been getting it from Hamilton for years. It's good stuff. Mm. The stuff that you're producing is rubbish Mr just leave it. So in 1858 he abandoned that mine but like a lot of other mines in the area even the ones that went straight down they did they fill them up they would just cover it over with everything from from logs to what I love calling deep dugs just to cover the area, which makes it area, makes Larkhall extremely dangerous <laughs> and a lot of other places as well. But so they it's just cutting, in. cutting the mines and holes everywhere then? Absolutely, it's it honeycombed. But this particular mine immediately behind the house, if you just were able to move some of the stonework away, you could walk straight in. And the other interesting thing is that the ge geology of the area has so many what we call pirate workings. Mm -hmm. um, coal miners worked during uh, the strikes, the general strike, there was a strike of the 1890s where they went down the braes and they worked their own coal seams and there's no trace of these particular tunnels, if you like, mm -hmm. and I've been in them. I am what you would call an urban explorer, <laughs> and I have been since I was about 14. Mm -hmm. And it's only in the last four or five years that I've actually stopped doing it because my big pal, who was a coal miner, is now in a, in a care home, big tan. You think yeah. you, people think uh, being an urban explorer is uh, a new thing? <laughs> it's not. It's not. <laughs> it's not. In the United States they're called creepers. Mm -hmm. In this country they're called urban explorers. And it's everything from um, old mines up at Warnock Head and Loud Hills and I've been done quite a number. Mm -hmm. And um, also um, abandoned ruined houses, castles, mm. and foundations underneath hotels and all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been in them. Uh, see, there's been 
Um, there was a lot of, there was a wee bit, bit of contention uh, with the family that actually bought the ground that owned the, they just owned the bit of the ground of the ruins and they said there was no cellarage underneath Broomhills. Now there definitely is uh, because as John was saying there, but it, through the stages, it started, kicked off in the 14, 14, 30, 20 odds, and then during the refer, during the covenant, covenant period it was, wasn't it? There was, um, you know, the shift in this area was predominantly covenanters, and at one point there was a, a mob had been up to to burn. There was a private chapel belonging to the McNeil, belonged to the Rattler Hamiltons. Just at the at the castle yes. on the castle room. On the castle room. Okay. Aye. Chapel room. Chapel. I beg your pardon. And that she had come out and said, "Well, if you didn't burn it down, I'll make a good barney." And actually stood to seventeen fourteen. But also, so you the castle. Forced to we're going into the fourteen now. Well, in fourteen twenty odds, and then we move on. In the 15th century, 16th century, they were very involved, the Hamiltons in this area, um, mm. and the Rattle Hamiltons, with Mary Queen of Scots. And if Mary Queen of Scots had slept in every bed she's supposed to have slept in Scotland, it would have been, it'd be true. <laughs> but anyway, she, um, they, the Broomhill, the Rattle Hamiltons, Broomhill Hamiltons, they supported Mary. And because they had supported Mary, William Drury, who was the governor of Berwick, came up to the castle Old Macken and it was raised fire. <laughs> so it was built, it's burned, then in the Covenant period they're going to have a go at the, the private chapel, doesn't harm. Then in nineteen forty three it was uh, it was the f uh, the army was used all the furniture had been taken out of it and the army were using it billeting Newfoundlanders, so soldiers there and they reckon that then we would put, just put some furniture in. All the 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 McNeil Hamiltons had taken all the furniture out and moved them up to East End to his wife's estate. Um, and they reckon it was a a chap maybe smoking that caused the fire. So the the house was badly damaged in 1943. Mm -hmm. It lay and went into just went into a ruinous estate. And then in the 1950s, a family called Hamilton, who are no, say they're no related, bought the ground and they've owned that, they've sold a bit of the ground off since that. But the initial house, the ground, the, the ruins, hit still, they still own that, but there's nothing ever been done to it. Part of the reason I would expect would be true that we wouldn't be able to get services down if we have that house stood. I'll, I'll let you see the house actually. Next to Broomhill House there are two tunnels, or there were two tunnels that you could walk into. Mm -hmm. One was the brine cellar or ice house, where you could go in and it would be somewhere to keep the, the bits of feed, um, sheep and pigs and things. But further along towards the new Asda, there is another tunnel bricked up and the interesting thing about this bricked up bit that it is a brass tap and I'm wondering right what seems to have happened is that this Patrick home tank has been filled up with water 
and this is where they got their water supply because it comes from natural springs coming down from Strother Hill and it goes into this. How drinkable the water is, I don't know. He married Chris in 1896. Edith Gertrude Thompson Carmichael of Carmichael. Now this family has a, a history going back to Kenneth McCarthy and they've got a better pedigree than the McNeil Hamilton's had. Hmm. And when he got married in 1896, I've got documents here. This was the wedding. It was like dying Charles get married. All the who's who, all the gentry the day were there. It was there were bonfires in Tinto Hill. There was uh, dinners here, there, and everywhere. And when he died in 1924, that's what he gets in the paper. Always obituary. He's, this is why we're saying locations are good things. Well, he's buried a lot called cemetery, but there's no marker. There's a family four-layer family plot because John's measured it out, and there's only one stone, and that stone has got his father on it, and his father was William Henry Montgomery, William Henry McNeil Hamilton, and his father was a decorated. Uh, a, a very highly decorated soldier who had served during the Crimean War, had been at Balaclava, Sebastopol, was part of the charge of the Light Brigade, and he married uh, a, a Polish girl who was of Polish nobility, Polish royalty, connected to Queen Victoria. But then everybody knew it was connected to Queen Victoria at one point. But she, and they came, to, they came to Scotland and she died in Glasgow, mm. uh, Ladislav. So I've got documents that can prove Sobieski. Uh, Sobie and well, Sobieski was Prince Charles, one of Prince Charles' mother now, I think it was, she was well, Sobieski. But she died. Then William married uh, a woman called Mariana Ewing, whose nickname was Daisy. She was 20 years younger than him. She's the father, she's the mother of the chap that brought the black lady to Broomhill. Mm -hmm. She was 20 years younger and she was born in Mobile in Alabama but of Scottish ancestry mm -hmm. and she came to Scotland and that's how she met Henry's, Henry's father. So the, the one that did they have a uh, much on the gravestone was the man who brought the no. black lady or not? No, that's the, he's the, fa he's the father of the son who brought the woman mm -hmm. back. His, when he died, this is, when he died in 1924, my mother was at that school and she, she would be what, nine, and she remembers standing bare feet, minor's daughter, uh, and a 1920, but that would be between the strikes, and she says, we were all taken out in the playground to see the Laird's funeral going past, and she says, we were all excited, expecting to see all the pomp and the mm -hmm. fancy frocks and all the things. One car and the hearse, that was it. There's no marker. What John and I think, there's been other headstones down there, probably with the names on them, mm. and for some reason they've been removed. So what I think has happened is been ostracised by the gentry, and that's what they did. They wouldn't come out and talk about anything, but they would just give them a white, mm. you know, a white birth. Mm -hmm. But um, as he married Edith Gertrude Thompson, she they had one son and three daughters. 
but the marriage was not successful. He was a bit of a rascal, as was his brother, and she they really separated in 1910, but she came and went and stayed there as a kind of frontage just to make it look respectable mm. because he was dallying about with different 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 things and his brother Claude was um was gay. Well, that, that means nothing in today's world. Doesn't bother me anyway. But he was gay but imagine some day gay like back then. Back then, nineteen hundred but he was gay but he was very had a violent temper with it, as did Henry. And according to Henry's wife, Henry who's responsible for the black lady, she said that her life was made a misery by both her husband and her brother-in-law. And she took her family back to East End. She's actually buried up in the East End estate because when I tried to interview Richard Carmichael and I mentioned the McNeil Hamiltons, he didn't want to know because there obviously could have been bad blood, mm. you know, between the families. So that's given you another wee bit of the... And that's... Just an interesting sort of history here um, as well in, in the area, but what, what can you think of? So, obviously, you see, going back, obviously, the, the castle was the first thing, but then you end up with the room that was at the end. I'll show you, I've got photographs. With that as well, was that history there as well, apart from obviously the, the sightings of the Black Lady and, and, and things like that, is there anything else we can see? Because you've got, like, the thing as well, what we touched on earlier on, we're talking before, obviously, we're recording. Was um, obviously activity in that always seen around fault lines and, and things like that, and you've got like a fault line coming right through. The, you you know, see earlier on it comes through that area, the fault line. Mhm. Mm right. Um, it kind of runs through where the house was and all that kind of stuff. And well, there could have been other signs. It's never. It's no, no, you do the back I'm talking about other signs here. Like, I, the area I, I don't know of any, Chris. There could be. There could be, but I've. She, this is what's quite strange about this, she's that in this story. She's a very small cog in which is a, a huge, huge story really. But I've never really heard there could be some, maybe way back in time there's been, but it's never actually been recorded, maybe somebody's yeah. seen something. But for some reason she seems to have, her being there or her presence or her whatever, seems to have been the story that's lasted the longest. I mean, you're talking about a family that were um, related. The, the, that's how the Hamiltons claim the right to be the Premier Dukes, because they, they were married in the Stuarts. Hmm. When the Queen comes to Holyrood, and it comes to the Scottish Parliament, it's the Duke of Hamilton that carries the thing out. In there. They're still counted the Premier Dukes. And these brim rattle Hamiltons the Duke of Hamilton and Charlotte O'Neill, they're all, they've all descended mm. from kind of more or less one, 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 one parent family. Mm. So you, I mean, I'm not, this man, to, to, to me, he's, I can't see what, he, I don't know, I can't see what happened to the black lady or Sita Pardine, what's her right name, but on, generally, he really wasn't doing anything different for what he's, contemporaries were doing and the, and the Victorians were very much into their, their occult. Alistair Crowley was welcome in so many different houses. I mean they were dabbling in all sorts of stuff. There was, they did, even up to a few years ago they found remnants of something was still going on at Cancer Castle. 
didn't they, John? Remember they've talked about a, a, there was a they reckon there was something still naughty somebody playing about down there. When I stopped working briefly at the planning department, mm-hmm. I worked for a very short time at Marley Buildings at Kirluk. And then I got a job with the parks department and most of the work was the renovation of Shatlerow Country Park, mm-hmm. the Duke of Hamilton's hunting lodge. Not been there before, Shatlerow. I took my wife, or the girlfriend who became my wife, mm-hmm. down into the cellars and we saw, and Fiona being brethren, she wanted to do it there as fast as possible. There was a, is that a pentacle? And various other emblems painted on the walls. And um, this is when the Shadow was up and running. This is before it was up and running. This is when it was a ruin and before the reinstated. Yes, before it had been reinstated and made into kitchens, bathrooms, and goodness knows what else in this particular part. Mm -hmm. And. Right, so this you're talking 1979, 1980, mm-hmm. when I saw this. When I, I was working there for 10 years, mm-hmm. and that has been going on, although I personally didn't see any, mm-hmm. but there was a girl in the parks department that I, I still know mm-hmm. very well. I don't want to say her name on record. Mm-hmm. But she headed it, mm. uh, this particular coven, mm. basically they're from a posh bit of Hamilton mm. and uh, this was their favourite hunting ground or meeting place. Mm-hmm. Where they went after that, I've no idea, but that's, that was the first real sign of that sort of occult that I had that I had seen mm-hmm. and my wife uh, said don't you ever bring me back to anything like this again what was the, the place that Helen was talking about as well? Was that the same place or was that different? Was that it's the same place. It's a pity oh, she's away making her cup of tea because I would like to have brought her into that. Because she said there was some recently. She said there was some recently. Was that no? Is it Colleen? Is it she not to Colleen Castle? Was it that? Um, Cantor's Castle Castle, which is right next door. Ah, it's it's it. from. From here to that sandstone building immediately behind it, mm-hmm. uh, less than a hundred yards away, mm-hmm. Castle Castle and Ringsdale Castle on the west side of the River Avon is called the Dorling Ride, D-A-W Dorling, yes Dorling Ride. And it was it was from Castle Castle to Ringsdale Castle. It was the hunting ground for King David the mm. Second. So there's there's that going on. But yes, there people have been meeting at uh, Castle Castle. That is why there's now a very high fence 
round whole thing, except on the even gore side where it's a sheer drop of 130 feet. <laughs> what did they find at the castle castle? I think they, was, they reckoned it was some kind of coven, they were still doing some kind of stuff. Right, so they've moved, they've moved oh. from what I'm telling you, because I saw that with Fiona uh-huh. um, in the cellars at Shatleroe Country Park. Mm-hmm. So that is where they went. That's where they went after that. Yeah, there was. So they'll, they'll have moved again. They'll find some place to other coming. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll in here, Chris. I'll show you some. Fo- I've got a photograph. I can show you a photograph oh, of yeah. him, um, and then I can give you more information and stuff. I, I mean, as as I told you, this is. That's. Well, so see, in terms of the, I know there's a lot of history there and all that kind of stuff as well. Um, are you still recording? I just found this one run, it's not exactly it, I don't know what stuff. And it's weird, I mean, obviously how it ties in with the kind of paranormal stuff and, and all that kind of stuff, and links in as well. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck, you know, kind of stuff I'm interested in as well, uh, in that regard. Well, um, any psychics that's been down there, uh, Chris, they've always said it's male presence that are, are, that are there's a bad male presence mm-hmm. down there. Nobody's ever come up to say that she, and I don't. So light lines and mm-hmm. rods and whatnot won't pick up water. Mm-hmm. There's a hell of a lot of water under that call mm-hmm. moving. Mm-hmm. We need to take that into consideration before we... Whatever it is that we're looking for in divining rods, we have to take that into consideration. Take that into consideration and, of course, a whole lot of services as well. Well, when Ron Halliday was down at Broomhill, uh, I'm going back again in my 40s, I'm about 42, 43, I think at this point, and Ron was doing his stuff. I'd never seen any of this before. I I knew about it, but I'd never actually seen it, but none. But then we were quite near the back of the house, and as John says, you've got the even, you've got got the kitchen burn at the other side, and two of the rods went flying up through the air, landed up a tree, and they hung there for years and years. In fact, a few times I went down there, they were still there. But they actually came out of his hands. Ron would confirm that to you, Chris. Went out of his hands and just poof. You know, that's, that's weird. I've only seen that once on television, and that was a television documentary the Germans had used mm-hmm. uh, in the 1970s for a new factory, but they had to have a source of water, mm-hmm. and they used the vining rods. rods. And uh, it was a slight bang in the middle of the Saxony plain, and that's exactly what happened. They flew out his hand. Mm-hmm. flew out his hand, and they said, there's water there, and there was. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. About 1964. When, when were you in that in Germany? Yeah, I was in Germany in '69. I was in Germany. Well, it would be around about 1968, mm. 1969. That this documentary, which I've still got in the house, mm-hmm. uh, which proves that that does work. I mean, yeah, I, 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 there's it. a lot I don't believe in, mm-hmm. but uh, I can be not easily changed, but I can be persuaded mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. if I saw proof of it. I always say I'm a, I'm a, a skeptical yeah, believer. You have to believe. Skeptical believer. I mean, so you can you have an open mind. Interesting enough, just uh, just I'll ask you off the cuff because like yeah, I know you've done a lot of urban exploring and stuff. Um, any strange encounter in urban exploring? Because if you're doing caves, I haven't you, had I haven't had 
experiences like that, I've had other experiences. Mm. For example, I had a conversation, it was near Cross Fort Bridge, about 2016. Mm -hmm. I was taking a walk along a well-worn path. And I can't remember the person's name, so I'll have to sort of paraphrase. Mm -hmm. A fellow came up to me in his late 70s and had a conversation with me. And it was something along the lines of, my wife and I used to come down here on the path where the bridge was, was to my right, the river Clyde was right in front of me and the pathway obviously as the banks of the Clyde. Mm -hmm. This fellow stopped and started to talk to me. Looking at his eyes, it was like looking at glass. I felt very, very very, very strange and just not very happy. John, you're on your own. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't know what the hell's going to happen next. And I looked past the guy and I was about to say to him, you've dropped your tartan scarf. Mm -hmm. And I turned around and I thought, the path went up maybe four or five feet behind me and then across the bridge. Mm -hmm. I said, bloody hell, where did he go? Mm -hmm. Disappeared. Yes. So I went up there and I looked round, nothing. I went back to the tartan scarf. And it wasn't a tartan scarf at all. It was three different colours of um, heather. Purple, red and white. And in the middle was a plaque. The guy had given me his name. Just say it was John Brown. I do not remember. But it said, John Brown, 1900 to 1978, mm. or something like that. Mm. And I said, no, I don't believe this. I walked along just a wee bit, doubled back, got to my car and went home. That was the end of my eight mile hike that day. Mm -hmm. And I've only mentioned this to three or four people. I didn't mention it to uh, the Reverend Elizabeth Cleland up in Brayhead House, who are sometimes good Um I would be looked at and, oh dear, I don't know, has my head chopped off? But I've had that experience. But I've had experiences, only two or three in my life. Not during the night, not up at Broomhill, because you, when you go up to Broomhill, what are you looking for? Mm. You're looking for a ghost. You're looking for a spirit. Mm -hmm. Ghosts, if they exist at all, are going to appear. You could be one. Mm -hmm. Because it's as clear and as, as um, ordinary and as, as solid mm -hmm. as you are. Mm -hmm. I had to three or four, two or three times that I've had experiences of that. And that is one that really does stick in the mind with me. Mm -hmm. Anything else has been um, mm -hmm. sound only. Sound. But I have been told that I have, from the age of three or four, always had migraines. 
and have a bit of migraines, it can tell you, you can hear. The most common one mm-hmm. for me is the front doorbell ringing. But they took the batteries out years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was woken up with this loud doorbell. No ghost or nothing. My wife had died a number of years ago. And that's another interesting story. Um, so first of all, one, this audible thing could be, and it's 95% certain to be migraineous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But my wife, one day, and I, middle of the night, up for ordinary, obvious reasons, back into bed, and Fiona, my wife, said, love you. Love you too, Nona. And a lovely smell of perfume. That was in October 1997. She had died in August 1996. Mm-hmm. There's no nice, there's no... There's not nice, nice. I spoke to a doctor over here, mm-hmm. Dr. Duncan, and he said to me, you won't hear that again. If you do, come back in a hurry. Mm-hmm. But I do not think you'll hear that again. Mm-hmm. I said, do you believe, and that he's dead now, by the way, I can mm-hmm. tell you this, do you believe in a hereafter, another world? Of course. Mm-hmm. Ask the majority of the people in the NHS. Mm-hmm. They won't tell you straight in the middle of a theatre, but mm-hmm. some people know what you're doing mm-hmm. is very real. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced of that. Oh, I, I, uh, when my father died, I had some, he had, um, he actually, he was in the pits for 51 years. This is my father, who was the son of the woman that worked in Brown House. Yes. Uh, he, he did, the last two years of his life was horrendous, because he actually had a uh, uh, pneumonia kenosis, but the doctor put it down to chronic bronchitis, did my mother out of a pension and everything, but anyway, that's another story. And I had sat with him uh, in the bottom room till about half eleven. And I says, I've got the road, mum. I'll have a couple of hours, and I'll come back down. I suddenly got him to see that Andrew was that day was seventies. Andrew was only eight, and Kirsty was only three. They were young children at the time. And I went up the road, and I thought, I'm not going to bed. I'll just lie on the couch. And about ten to five. I could see, I don't know if it was a vision or a dream, but I could see this woman again, this older woman with a black skirt and white thing, and she puts her hand down and my dad takes her. And that was at five to five. Ten minutes later, my door goes and it's Uncle Daddy, I need to come, your father's away. And when I went down, I said to my mother at ten and my dad goes, she's at five to five, I look to the clock. No, there's no... And my dad couldn't speak properly for two years because he had Parkinson's. And the night, bef- the night he died, uh, when I'd be- his voice came back as clear as a bell, and his last words were to me, "You've been the best. I could always depend on you." Because I was one to help nurse my dad mm. so much. And then he never spoke again. He just went in there, you know, thing. But it was exactly fine. And I can still see that hand coming down and you know him you know my dad reaching out and taking it mm-hmm. it's there's no I definitely believe that there is something I mean for me like I've never experienced in 
and not a gap. No, one thing at the mum died when I was, was 21, and it was probably a year after. Oh, sorry to hear that. No, sorry, it was, but it was a year after, and then uh, I was basically just about to go to bed one night, and I came out. She was doing the pens mm-hmm. at this time, she was staying there. In fact, I was just staying there, she was silly. And I was doing the kind of staying. And then she died and was down there. I came back up the road and was in Scotland. And it was uh, a year after. And it was, I was just about to go to bed. I heard the voice, clear as day. Clear as a bell, saying, Christopher. And it was the, her accent, mm-hmm. like, clear as day. And I kind of just bolt upright and I was looking, mm-hmm. but it was, and that was it. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know, it was just kind of like a, like a sign she was there or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's only, it would be said in such a way that it would only come from her and nobody well, else. Mm-hmm. Because that's, cause my, that's what my wife would say, and I would call her Noda, mm-hmm. which was her pet name. Mm-hmm. And she's a pet name for me, mm-hmm. but was Uncle John, for a simple reason that I looked after the basset head and brought her up. <laughs> 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 mm-hmm. One for that as well, that was that, I was just like her saying Christopher. But it, was like, it was kind of like an urgency. Race. She, she'd say that it was a way she was, it was definitely her, her voice and it was like I could hear it plays a bell. I don't even think I've told my sisters or something like that in time but... Same like Sita, this woman was 40 when she came to Scotland Chris, so this woman somewhere in Sri Lanka or Salon, no, no Salon. So re- just, just for the audience because we've kind of spoken about that further but you've researched who she was, where she came she, from. She came, her. she was Sita Perdine. She was born in Crown Colony in Salon in 1862, which made her 10 years older than him. For some reason, she was went to South Africa and she became uh, uh, probably... The, the British Army used a lot of these women for, for nurses. Mm. Some actually were sent to work in the mines, but she, she would be used as... They called them camp servants, actually, but they were really doing nursing things. Because uh, the British Army had a lot of, they used to have a camp followers, their wives would sometimes be taken to some of these places. Because Gandhi was in South Africa, so when I, I was told that Sita is only, is a Hindu Buddhist sect, and the, the Sita means high caste. Mm. A girl gets named Sita. So that means this woman has had some form of education. She wouldn't be, she'd be, I, I, I see her as quite a, an educated lady, and somewhere in Sri Lanka, which was Salon, there might be some photograph in an old frame that's yellowed with age. It could be a great great auntie, mm-hmm. a great great. Uh, because I said, well, if this woman was high caste, how on earth did she find herself getting sent to South Africa? And the explanation was that if she had offended a husband or offended a father, daughters were only counted as no like chattel, but in what they could bring. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it was pretty much, uh, you know, with aristocracy here. I mean, back to him again. That man must hate me. So is that the only picture you've got of him? I've got a better one oh, right, as we okay. go further on. That's back to Percy. Um, now, Gary, I don't know why he's done this. This, now there's a black white marble floor. There's <laughs> your staircase. That's what room I would actually look like. Well, I've got That's the kind of image I can see, you know. I don't know whether it's true or not, but there was a story that he'd actually went about looked a look one day and tried to bring the bloody horse into the house, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Mm. They, and see, when you're thinking this, 
Chris, Britain had, I mean, Britain has had all these countries all over the world, part of the empire, part mm -hmm. of the Raj, so it would be quite easy enough for a woman to be brought in the start of the 20th century and somebody to be brought back in the start of this oh, century. Are. Oh, I mean, it's, it's wasn't uncommon. And Coslington, by the way, is down at Sanford. It's got nothing to do with us here at all. No. It's uh, between Sanford and Gunnane. That's just maps again. Right, that's, a, like that's, a, that's the same map as I showed you. Can you go back to that no, one I just for a second? Right, Brunhill House is here. That's the iron mine. That's a, that's a deep gully. Mm -hmm. It's called the Kitchen Burn and it's flowing that way. To me, the Brunhill House just in the middle, there's a square there, the wee small square. Right, that, that wee thing, it looks like a hut, mm -hmm. means it's, a, it's either a mine that goes straight in, mm -hmm. called an Ingonine, which comes from the French um, English. And it's also a sign for a day level. A day level would be a drainage channel. Mm -hmm. But it's not a drainage channel. It's straight into this here, which is ironstone. Mm -hmm. That there and that there are two pit shafts. Not your, your normal... Um, winding gear, mm -hmm. but it would be wound like going down a well, right? Right, uh -huh. which proves, and I've proved it elsewhere, that these are pre 1847 mm -hmm. because after the year 1847 they started using proper winding gear, and not only that, these would not be in the middle of housing, which proves to me that that is about at least 150 to 200 years old, that one. Mm -hmm. And the houses just would not have existed at the time. So, am I right to say in Broomhill House, the cellarage would practically run parallel to that pit? Your, your cellarage, no, first of all, these are your outhouses, is there. So your, your kitchen is there. Mm -hmm. Your kitchen is there. The cellars when they connect to that, haven't they? But, but there's no connection. There's no connection. No. He's taken, if you like, he's taken out perhaps a body, and that would still, he would be able to move some of the stone and the rubble and dig dugs, as I like to call them, and store the body in there and then cover it up again. Mm -hmm. No reason for it, because it's still there. Mm -hmm. One of the mediums that was down there, she. That's a home farm, isn't it? Aye. She, she said she saw 13 folk down there and one was a chick. 13 people down this in that hole? Uh, in that area. In that area. There, and one was a child. But there was a You mean death folk? Aye. But I don't know whether that... I, I mean, I just take what they say. Aye, and I don't, right. But I know for a fact there was a wee boy that worked on the estate and he was drowned tragically in the Avon and the reason he drowned he put it into the water with his wellings on and the wellings well this wee one of the mediums, this wee boy seems to his name was McNeil but McNeil the McNeil part of the McNeil Hamilton name comes from the McNeils of Barrack or Tenish or Tarkish or something like that that's where the McNeil comes in but this wee boy seemingly worked in the estate and as you go into Morgan Glen and make to go up towards the house, two or three mediums have actually said the scenery boy standing at the tree down there. Mm. So whether, again, I've just to take what they say and 
I'm just thinking though, like I wonder if um, the brother, the two brothers, had done anything else. I mean, in that regard, uh, had done anything else. You know I mean, because they, they didn't seem like like nice people in the well, garden. Well, I'm sure they've done a hell of a lot. So this is us back to this grave again. Um, well, I know Claude, according to what I've been reading in there, he liked his wild parties and um, when they get into a temper, they get into a temper, so, because he's, she's accused Timmy, the brother, and now it doesn't say much for Henry if he allowed his brother to treat his wife like that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it, and then you don't know, like, if, if they've got, like, some mass pit they can just put people into. Well, that's, that's, that's another point. You know? These are just all... Now where's Broomhill here? Right, give us, give us there. Is, there's Broomhill there. I see, there it's there. Broomhill, Ratlock. How does this map, this is the 15th century? Aye. Yeah. You can see distinctly see that that's no, a well. Mm-hmm. But see how the spelling is? Mm-hmm. Right. There's, there's Broomhill again. That's inside the brown cellar, the Broomhill that's now been closed off. Now, the, where that was, the stable block was here. Mm-hmm and the, the circular courtyard in front of it and if you walked across the field a wee bit there's Is that the roof or is that the floor? That's the... That's, that, the that's, a, that's the top of the door. Dome. Right, okay. So you would crawl on your belly and you're looking up so whoever's taken that it's has gone like that oh, right, okay. to that there. Mm-hmm. And that, that is that there is there. Mm-hmm. And it goes like, like yawn. I've been in that, um, uh, Chris, and you crawled in. It's a, you go. It's, it's a wee bit away from the house, but the, you've got the stable block here, and then the brown brown cellar. You go down over the dip, and you went into it. You crawled in, and then it went down. It went down. That, I would say just about the height of that. That's my granddaughter, by the way. I don't want all that. It went down further than that. It went down uh, about twelve feet. So that, but see at the bottom it, there was a door, because they wouldn't have just stuffed, stuffed no, by the no, top it, there no. must have been a connection for the house to get yes. to it. Yes, uh, up in, in Strathclyde Park, and sorry for interrupting, but there is, a, a, the one that they have actually cleared it out, and um, it's now part of Strathclyde Park, you can actually see one in operation, it does have a grill at the bottom, mm-hmm. we would put in the dead pigs and salted. Um, and they would have put in some snow as well. Uh, the snow would melt eventually, but, but the, the, uh, no one does have a lot of stomach upsets for heaven's sake. Now here he is. That's, I'll zoom in. Zoom in. That's... Zoom out again, I went too far on that. That's Henry. That's Claude. That's local businessmen, obviously. Mm-hmm. But you can see the strong resemblance between mm-hmm. the three brothers. And I wouldn't like to meet any of them in a dark night, I don't think. He, in particular, seemed to be the worst temper-wise mm-hmm. uh, in love with them. And his, he died at Broomhill House, and his partner was found dead at Broomhill House as well. Um, so whether his partner is down in the cemetery beside him, but he's buried down there, I mean John and I could take it down. Mm-hmm. And neither him or him, or just the one, the father that was the, the hero of the, 
Crimean War. Mm -hmm. Here's an interesting thing first because well, I used to, I don't take photographs nowadays because it was an old fashioned camera. I used to get that on the camera. Can you tell the difference between what is a mistaken film and what is an orb? Well, I, I'd always put a lot of them down to a lot of them, that one is quite they mm -hmm. wouldn't I mean, but like a lot of them are doing to dust of water particles. Mm -hmm. So you get like dust of, dust that goes in dust front of the, the flash. Aye, so it takes, aye, takes a touch there and enhances it and pumps it up. I mean, the same with water particles, you get it you get it either uh, moisture, you yeah. get it the moisture or dust. Yeah. But that there, that's actually great. It's, it's, like one, of, it's one of the better ones I've seen compared to um, some people put online. Well, strangely enough, you're saying that, Chris, because this bit here takes you up over what was the library and in the kitchen area. Mm -hmm. I could take and one of the times I was down there a medium says to me, come closer to me because there are male presence standing behind you and I'm very unhappy mm -hmm. man. And it was exactly in that area where that not there like that. How do we know that's not a tree in person? That's a, that that is that's that that's the see the break. You know how you, we climbed over those stones, John. Yes, that's right. that's that bit of the house. I know. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. I know how we climbed over the stones right. to get to the. Right. So that's, that's, that's probably that's one, that's one of the better pictures I've ever seen. Um, is it zoomed in already? Is it? Yeah. There's a zoom. Yeah. So what exactly is an orb? So to be honest, like the, the people, in terms of the ones in photographs, quite a lot of the ones get put in photographs and loads of people put them in line with the time. I always think majority of them, say 99% are dust particles or water vapour. But people, regardless of um, things that are photographed in the flash breaking off of something, I mean, or, or, or the light breaking off of that, or like camera flare or stuff like that, people see them. People actually see them. So it's actually like, they maybe see like a, a ball of light floating about or there's ones that there's one of the researchers doing down in North Yorkshire these they see like large things in the sky right mm -hmm. so they see you could almost say it's like a UFO but it's like a large it's just a large light it's like a sometimes you get a large orange light it's as bright as the sun and it'll disappear right yeah. sometimes they can't see it right mm -hmm. they can't see it but they can get it on night vision night vision cameras they can actually you can get it from infrared you can see it in infrared you yeah. can't see it in the normal um, frequency of light that you, yeah. you look through but other times you can see them so people can maybe see them and they'll see a look at that and it disappears and they can't see it but they'll go and put like uh, these things you've, you've seen these things coming oh, in and out of the sea mm -hmm. in and out of the sea and then they'll put like a, a night vision camera on it and they'll be able to still see it although mm -hmm. the naked eye can't see it Mm. Or they can see it through just like a long walking day. Um, that, that was on the television fairly recently, and I like these kind of programs. Um, and what they thought it was, it was, would you believe it, a form of lightning? I ball lightning. Uh, so there's, there's different explanations. Like there's the explanations where it's a form of ball, ball lightning. So you mm -hmm. get that. The other explanation is the piezoelectric effect caused by um, quartz and granite and stuff like that. So yeah. with the pressures of that, you know. Doing the geology and stuff that right. it can cause with electric charges, it can basically cause. Right. So, um, so this is this is this is what we're saying. If we get that out of the way, mm -hmm. uh, as as, as, as Doyle would ah. say, um, 
what is left must be the truth. Aye, like the Occam's razor type. So we have to look at these things before we take the That's the thing though, because for quite a lot of them, the pictures you get up, you get camera. I hate that one. Oh God, I hate that one. You get camera flare and stuff. Look at this. That's Smith Percy. Person. Would you look at his look bloody at fingers. fingers? Dear God Almighty, that's horrible. <laughs> that's what seemed like to me. I'm in the dark. <coughs> look. Mm -hmm. That actually gives me a bit of the creeps, actually. Oh, it's a horrible one. Get rid of it. Now, this is where TV town a few years ago. This is the plonker it was supposed to get hit with a lance. He was interviewed, and I think when you did that programme for the STV, uh -huh. well he was interviewed, he and his pal, in a, in a tent. They, they're the ones who saw the grey man of Ben McDewey. Right. Well, there's, been, there's, there's been sightings of that right through the years, right? What the hell? I've, I've, right um, I've, I've got a guy who, um, uh, I can't remember it, Hamish, 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 what's his name? He invented a cradle to take injured people off the mountains. Um, it's a very famous mountain, Scottish mountaineer. Oh, right, right, aye. Um, oh, hell. And, and he, in his book, uh, Hamish McInnes, mm -hmm. and he talks about the grey man of Ben McDowell. There's another guy who wrote a book up here, he's called Athlon Grey. Athlon Grey, he's dead now. Um, yep. But he's, he, he, he was in Scottish Mountaineering Club. I said he was up basically, um, he was the same, he was, Athlon Grey was in it as well, and the fact that he worked in the lands, like, he worked in forestry and stuff, and he collected loads of accounts in the area. Mm. Off Mountaineers, but he, the thing is, I had never really got into the book, because I can not we seen the name of the book, it was the big grey man of anything to do, it just looked tongue in cheek and quite funny. No funny about it, just didn't really seem like a The reason they called it that is because the Gaelic name for it was, was pronounced, not pronounced, but when translated it was called the Big Grey Man. Right, right. Right, so that's why it was called that. And uh, I never really looked into it much before, but when you, when you look at all the, the stories that he's collected through the years, and then uh, how it interlinks with, because now there's not much data that people have seen these things, not just here, but in other, other countries and mm -hmm. stuff, you can tie it in with other mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, and especially as well with other things where it's always on quartz and granite and all that. But he only put accounts in the book that he thought were they going in the book and he could probably substantiate because they were all like mountaineers that he knew and he respected. Or quite a lot of the cases he like it's high class kind of mountaineers. They were in like the, they were actually in the papers and stuff. They're in the Scotsman and all that. Mm -hmm. Some of the accounts that the guys had put on and uh, some of them were mad. Well, this is when folk. So I say I took a note of and thought uh, all these weren't, and I say folk came to me and I thought, well, they all can't, maybe one could be a coincidence, but they can't all have an overworked imagination. There must be some kind of. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the mediums kind of went into this area in this photograph, but I don't really know, can't remember what it was about down that area there, Chris, but I can't, I don't see anything, I can't. Remember. Making Gary got it much bigger than that. Uh, yeah, I'm going to... Now, this was picked up. We not decided that that was your granny. Well, if it... The, the dress, I would say, the style of dress would be Edwardian. That would be the kind of style the length. Mm -hmm. You know... You the, back it again. Back so, so where's the head again? Is the head up there? Oh. 
there it's there that it's, it looks as if the face is pointing right. down. Yeah. Right, Chris. Down the side, eh? Down the side. Go back, go back. Right. Right. When you do it, Chris, I'm your better than me than I can. Is she going that way then? She's coming. Well, that's in the middle, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So if we go back to this one, she's walking. I would say that she's walking that direction and with the face looking down that could be a hat right. that that looks like an arm and that that definitely looks like a, a, a nerd, what i would say that's definitely an awarding style was there was there nothing near when the picture was taken not that i know of not that i know of well there's something that, that, that i haven't told helen is that she's got two or three pictures of mine she's got my granny my mother and my uncle harry mm-hmm. now uncle harry was in the RAF. And he showed me a picture back in 1976, and it still frightens me to this day. Mm-hmm. And it's a picture of him, of a whole lot of other people in the RAF, taken in Canada. Mm-hmm. And said, see that person there? Uh-huh, he's not there at all. He was not there in the original picture. And he's in the picture now. Mm-hmm. He's, yeah. he's a, you were talking about somebody dying in a fire. Mm-hmm. It was him. Did I remember I said to you that? Yes. And, and, and looking at that, I said, you're kidding me. See, I... See, see that, huh? I thought... My, fa- my, grand- my, my, my uncle, sorry for interrupting, did not want to talk about the war. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons. Most men, most of the men didn't. Uh, because they died horribly, a hell of a lot of them went in fire. I, um, I sometimes can get a feeling of a symbol, you know, and I can't always relate it. I sometimes say to John, I kind of feel this or I feel that. And I, I would only certain folk I would say that to you again. Mm. So would, that's Daphne Plowman and that's John Plowman. That's the two people. They're both gone now, sadly. So going back to that, what is your, what is your version? Nah, it, it, it definitely looks like, to me, it looks like somebody... Walking towards... Like that's the head, the shoulders, dress. That just looks to me, it does look like that. I don't think that's part of it. I think that's part of the tree. Mm-hmm. I think that looks like a head, mm-hmm. and that's definitely looks like Do you think they're carrying something, or is that my imagination? I'm not sure. It's hard to see. I'm b- I've looked at it and I said, I wonder if that's my granny, because she would be dressed in that kind of body. If, that, if that's, that's the definitely looks like an awarding body in style. Oh, I totally kind of like, nah, just the kind of straight shoulder line and the way the dress is and all that kind of stuff. Right. And there's me in my 40s. <laughs> That'll just see how long I've been at this dumb thing. There's Ron at the back. God, I was about 42 or 43. Is that up? That's down the middle of the line. So it shows you how badly overgrown it was then. Yep, that's me again, 40 odds. There's Ron, they're the two ones that landed up the tree. Well, my brother Bob, who lives in Southampton, are as near as Dammit, and his pal Ian Rosewear sadly no longer with us and used to be a member of our group distinctly remember two steps going down in the kitchen and then a big slam mm-hmm. um, that would be 1958 yep. but 1963 or 62 was when I was playing in there I saw the same thing right well I, I know Elizabeth and I definitely found that in the kitchen and, and, the, and my, my, did I tell you the one about my dad my, my dad's my mother's father he, he was a very, very clever man, uh, and he got friendly with one of the caretakers, and this caretaker said he, 
he hated to be in the house on his own at night. He mm. felt really quite scared. And he, he according to him, he told my grandfather that there was an opening in the kitchen area, steps come down, and there were stains on the steps that they could never ever get rid of these stains. And clocks used to go funny. Now whether that's just an overworked imagination that came I think, I think that stuck is. and that, stuck that, in that, that is because you can get rid of blood easily uh, enough. I've worked in the cave I can tell you. Now that was the that's known as the Broomhill Lion. That stood outside the main entrance of the house. Eventually that went down to um, Morgan Glen and now it's, it's now in bits. But that's the connection to the... Lying in bits. And lying in bits. That's the connection to the Stuarts mm-hmm. over the, through the Hamiltons. Here's that photograph again. So somebody took that, what was the, the, what was the story behind this photograph? If this one? Mm-hmm. I can't remember, it was taken uh, there was, there's been so many times I've been down there and I can't remember all the different dates and random photographs right. I, can't even, I couldn't even tell you now who took this one of why they took it of why they took it, again that's us back to this whoever's that's this that's that Lindor thing again no, this is just this another or I don't know whether that's an or just a, I, I think that's just I think that's just dust or something I can't see that in anything That's the house. That's the house there. Yep. Right, where's the now kitchen? That, the kitchen's over here. That's what I thought. Kitchen's over. That's servants' quarters. That's the main drawing room. I'm sure that's the room I see. That's, that's the one I remember. Is there no, no drawings in the house anyway? The, the answer to that is not that I've seen enough search. The architects' I department, I building control, and. Uh, the planning department and the answer is no because it's too bloody old. That that oh, that's all that's left now, uh, Chris is a bit of this perimeter wall. That's the drawing room. The main entrance is side on round here. This there was a billiard room, billiard room, library, dining room, uh main bedrooms. That looks as if they've had balconies outside it. That'd be the servants' quarters up here. That's the kitchen area and the laundry area. That's been added on, obviously. You can see how it's all been added on a later, you know, later date, but the kitchen area is... And the, the original bit is what, that bit there? I would think so, John. That could be the original part of what would be the tower. The bit that was the tower house. The tower house and with and the crazy staircase. Now, this is the bit where that orb that you thought was a definite orb, that's the area that was taken in here, down mm-hmm. here. And I think that takes that's the library that takes you through into the kitchen at the back. But there was a servants' passageway so that the servants could go through the passageway and go through the main mm-hmm. through the main house which would be And that is a sheep. phantom sheep. Now this is the area that photograph was taken and there's that yes. tree again. We don't see, I don't see anything in that bit. I can see it. Well that thing you know what that's that's the looks like and there so that's in that that's in it there but that looks like the actual trunk of the tree, tree yeah mm-hmm. and it's so different it's de- definitely different from the previous one well, is it that's that's no that's an older picture that'd be taking it when this house was still Larry. and it's and it's glory that's it just another
as discussed prior, it is quite an interesting story, and we will follow up with an on-site uh, recording, uh, which will tie back in with, with Helen and John, and, and maybe Ron uh, on that. Um, but very, very interesting. And I'd just like to thank John and Helen for their time on the day, and also Helen for the lunch, as it was, it was great, I mean, to meet them and stuff like that. So, hope everybody's well, and I'll catch you all soon. <laughs>